evening. Uh, we're we're going to talk about gospel community. Uh, and I want to ask a question that I believe every teen and every parent uh, should ask. I want to ask a question that I think every teen and every parent should ask. I'm going to pose the question, and then we're going to pray, and then we're going to allow God's Word to answer it. We're not going to ask the question that I'm going to answer. We're going to ask the question and let God answer it. And here's the question. And I'll repeat it. How does God want me for my spiritual good, others' spiritual good, and His glory live within the Christian community He's placed me in? How does God want me for my spiritual good, others' spiritual good, and His glory live within the Christian community that He has placed me. You know, if you're a Christian, God has placed you around other Christians. And He has made you members of the household of God. So it's not just that you're a Christian and yeah, there's some other Christians in my life and we're, we're kind of loosely connected. That's not what the Word says. We are members of the household of God. And we have to ask ourselves, how am I called by God to interact with them? And this, this can be said regarding every topic in the Christian life. But I want to remind you that the temptation of sin is to say, I'm in charge, or you know, you're in charge. The temptation of sin is to not ask this question because you assume... Well, I can do whatever I want. I can spend my time however I want. I can spend my energy however I want. I live in America. And in America, we are independent people. We own everything. And so we don't even ask the question because we believe we're the ones in charge. Or sometimes we don't ask the question because we just fall into patterns, don't we? Sometimes good patterns, sometimes bad patterns. And we might not intentionally think this way, but we basically just do what we've always been doing or what we've been doing for a long time. And so even if I, as I initially posed that question to you, teen, this isn't just a question for your parent. If you are a Christian teen, you are in the household of God. You have been placed into gospel community. And it can be tempting. I don't even, I don't know. I don't know what that looks like. And honestly, honestly, I haven't really asked and I don't really care. At least in the flesh. But we know, however, even though that can be our temptation, that as Christians, we're followers of Christ. And I just referenced that with the bracelets. We are, we are followers of the Lord. We are disciples of Christ. And so in every single area, we come to Him and ask for guidance. We ask for direction. We, in humility, want to be taught by Him as we come to Him in prayer and as we come to Him in the Word. God created you, and God saved you, and God placed you in gospel community. And so we need to ask God, what what is best here? 
What is best for me? What is best for others in my life? Not, not seeking to obey so that he loves us or not seeking to obey so that he saves, but saves us. But in light of his love, in light of uh, his salvation, we, we do that in response. And I just, I'm going to say it later on, but God's commands and God's rules where God calls us to live in a certain way, please hear me, it is for our good. It can be tempting to think of God as a taskmaster. Oh yeah, more rules. Thinking it's just like this ego trip. If you've been reading with us in Psalm 119, what you see again and again and again are God's rules, God's statutes, what what God wants for our lives. Yes, yes, it brings Him glory. Yes, He is worshipped as we obey Him, but He has created things. So today was Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God. He created things in this beautiful Balance or, or tension of what most glorifies him is what is also best for you. So, so many verses we could look at. We're going to look at four. First one, Acts 2, 42 to 47. If you have your journal, write these down because I'd love for you to go back and look later. So Acts 2, 42 to 47. The second one, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Hebrews 10, 24, 25. Third, Galatians 6, 2. Galatians 6, 2. And then finally, Colossians 3, 13. I'm going I'm to read them in succession, then I'll pray, and then we'll work our way quickly through each of them. So... Acts 2, 42 to 47. Here's what it says. Speaking about the church, speaking about gospel community, it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, And let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works, to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Galatians 6.2 Bear one another's burdens. And so fulfill the law of Christ. Colossians 3.13 Bearing with one another and if one has a complaint against another 
forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Let's pray. Lord, would you teach us tonight? I pray that that all of us in this room, Lord, both teens and adults, would seek to want to know for our good and others' good and your glory what it means for us to be in gospel community. Lord, I pray that you would encourage us tonight, that we would see fruit in our lives tonight. And also, Lord, where you want us to grow, where you want us to be further in and more connected and more sacrificial to others, Lord, more open with others, Lord, wherever you want to do a work, I pray, Lord, that we would not be standoffish towards you tonight. Lord, Holy Spirit, as you are ministering to us, Lord, may we receive your ministry humbly. That we would not say, I don't want to look at that, but that we would say, oh, Lord, if you see anything in our lives, if you see anything in this youth group, where you want us to go deeper in community. Oh Lord, give us the grace and give us humble hearts to do just that. We pray for all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Four points just coming from each of the passages. And so basically Acts 2, what we see in Acts 2 when it comes to gospel community is that we enjoy God together. And so point one is enjoy God together within the gospel community. We get to enjoy God together within the gospel community. And when when I read there Acts 2, it's one of my favorite passages of God's Word. I remember reading that passage over and over again. I was uh, living in Manaka, Pennsylvania, which is about 40 minutes, give or take, north of Pittsburgh. I remember reading that in a basement of a church, crying. Because I read that, devoted to God together, Devoted to the word together, praying together, caring for one another. Just, you see something so special there, and I had never experienced it. I had been in bad churches. I'd even been in gospel preaching churches. But I had never been in a church like this. I had never been in a church that loved one another and loved God together like this. And I remember praying, this was 2002, 2001, 2002. God, if you would give me a church like this, if, if you would surround me with people like this, it would be an incredible gift. I, I remember, I, don't, I remember thinking, are there even churches like this anymore? Do, do these even exist anymore? And God, very kindly, and I couldn't even avoid it if I wanted to, drove me right into Christ Community Church. 
And all 30 of those people were the, were Acts 2. I've never been in a church like Christ's community. We are imperfect. We are sinful. We need Jesus every single day, don't we? But many of us love to do this together. And yet, here I am now, 12 years later, I need to make sure I don't take it for granted. I need I need to make sure I don't fall into kind of bad patterns where I'm coming to stuff, but I'm not really interacting the way God wants me to here. And I know some of you teens, many of you teens haven't been in Christ's community your whole life, but many of you have been around long enough, or maybe other church experiences that are like this, and Christ's community by God's grace is like this, and, and just to take it for granted. Yeah, of course, that's what church does. You do this, you do this, you go to these places, and you go, but you don't really go. You know what I mean? You can attend something, but not really be there. And so my point with this Acts 2 and enjoying God together is this. There is a blessing in enjoying God privately, which is you and God. There, there is something so special about just having your Bible open and reading it and praying and talking to God. I, I love taking just prayer walks so I can just share my heart with God. I love getting to just work through Scripture, just me and God. But there's also a blessing in enjoying God together in gospel community. And they are not the same blessing. It's not, man... Be with God by yourself. Be with God in a group. Whatever. No. No. They're different. They are different blessings. They are different altogether. And if you're doing one but not the other, you're missing out on something that God has for us. Worshiping with others encourages the soul. So so how do we enjoy God together in gospel community? Well, when we worship together... We spur one another on. I love just worshiping the Lord in the car, by myself, but there is something to Sunday morning. There is something to care group worship. There is something to when we meet and we sing these songs together. And I remember I'm not alone in this. God didn't save me and sit me on an island and say, I'll come back for you one day and I'll take you to heaven. God saved me, and he saved many of you, and he's continuing to save. I love being in our church and looking across the way and seeing someone who I know for a fact, because they said it, they weren't Christians, and now they are Christians. And their hands are up or they're singing loudly, or they're just affected by the worship, and they're, or they're affected by the word, and they're taking notes. And I'm like, I knew that person. I knew them when they were lost. Or I knew them when they were a little kid, like Andrew Shell, who was five the first time I met him, and now he's in the new members class. It's not, it's not like, oh, just Andrew Shell's in the new members class. I'm stirred up because God has been gracious to Andrew Shell. And he's in the new members class. And he's taking, I mean, he's, he's, he's been a pillar in this church from the beginning. He's been putting chairs out and serving before some of you were born. But he's taking that next step of, I want to be a member of this church. 
That stirs my heart. That should stir your heart. I don't want you to weirdly look around during worship where you're just like staring at someone. Why are you looking at me, bro? You know, I don't, don't make it weird. But there is something, isn't there, to looking around and watching, watching God's people worship God? I've, some of you know this, others don't. You know what I hate the most about being a pastor? I hate sitting in the front on Sunday morning. When I'm not doing ministry, Mike, you will see me ten rows back. And people are like, why are you sitting back here? Because I want to, in a non-weird way, watch people worship. It, it, again, stirs my affections that the gospel is advancing. Not the gospel was advancing. Not Jesus died and rose again and boom, Acts 2, and day by day those are being saved. God is still saving the gospel's just continuing to go. And so, worshiping with others encourages our souls that I am not alone in this and God is on the move. And I can be encouraged as I hear about how God is at work in other people's lives. I pray that is something that we all grow in. I believe we are, but, but all the more that when you're at Girls of Grace, or you're at man school, or you're just talking with someone in a conversation, or maybe, you know, as you're getting older, you start finding your place in care group, that as somebody is talking, and they say about how, man, I just feel like God has just given me grace in this area, and I have really struggled, but I see God moving and changing me, that it's not, oh, that's good for you. That there really is this, oh, Jesus, thank you for what you're doing. There's a, the group, there's a group in our church of men who wonder if they're called to be pastors. And so we're meeting with them. We're discipling them. And we have two hours to meet with them. We should just stop saying it's going to be two hours. It's never two hours. And this morning, I am very efficient to a fault. And so CB said, I want you to kind of lead this meeting. CB was there, but I want you to kind of have the agenda. And so in my mind, it was, okay, 10 minutes for this, 25 minutes for this, 30 minutes for this. I had it all planned out nice and neat. And then I go and ask the question, how has God been at work in your life? And an hour and a half later, we wrapped up only because we knew that we needed to keep moving. Now, thankfully, God gave me the grace to celebrate that hour and a half. And to know, you know what, we could have kept going. It was an hour and a half, not of, look how smart I am, and look at all the things I've learned. It was, I want to tell you about my sin, but I also want to tell you about God's grace. And we were just going around the room talking about our weakness and God's strength and our need for God. And as every man spoke, I was built up, knowing this is the God I serve. And so being together, it just maximizes that. You know, God is faithful to you, believer. God loves you, believer. God is at work in your life, and may we celebrate that. But then you get a room of Christians together, and it's just it's a compound interest. It's just explosive encouragement. We also, it's also good for us to come together because I need help in understanding the word and applying the word. Right? We we God through the Spirit, helps us understand the Word, but He also uses means. And there are many times when I come together with people, whether just informally, 
getting coffee together. I mean, that just happened this week. I was having coffee with a guy. I'm supposed to be the one like ministering to him. And he is sharing things about God's good, sovereign plan. I mean, I stopped looking at him. I don't know if he thought like I was upset. I couldn't look at him because what he was sharing was so good that God's plans are perfect, that we can trust his plans for our life, that we can lay our whole life down and not worry that somehow we're going to screw it up when we place them in God's hands. Man, I needed to hear that. I needed to be reminded of that. I didn't come into that meeting thinking about it. And as, as my brother was encouraging me, he wasn't thinking he was teaching, but he was teaching. And we need Mr. Editor to teach us. And we need our, our care, care completers to help us. And so we, in coming together, know the word better. Also in Acts 2, we see that we are stronger for the gospel's advance together. Stronger together than apart. And I don't mean that you are ineffective as an individual, but what it says there in Acts 2, it says, and as they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. There was just this one moving force going towards the lost, going towards Christians that were in need. As they came together, God used them in a powerful way. I played football for a very short season of my life. That's not surprising to any of you, I'm sure. But we had these um, like offensive line sleds. There was, I think, I don't know, five or five of them, probably center, two guards, two tackles. And maybe tight end, so four to six. Um, and I remember before football started, I went out to the field and I saw those hitting sleds. And I had seen a lot of NFL films growing up. So ones like the slow spiral from the football, you know, to the quarterback to the receiver. I was like, oh man, I want to be that guy. And and I, I'd seen those sleds where those guys are moving the sleds across the field. So what do I do, right? By myself, I run. Full speed into that thing. And my assumption is, arrogantly, that I'm just going to like blast this thing and push it all the way down the field. Now, Benjamin Wild maybe, maybe could do that on one of those big ones. I hit that thing like the wall and fell down. And so then when we went into practice, I was a, I was a tight end, uh, so I must have been big enough for, the, for that. Um, I remember thinking, oh, no, I'm going to be embarrassed. I want to hit this thing and fall down, and everybody's going to laugh at me. But you don't, you know, football. You don't, you don't say, "Hey, coach, can I not do this?" You just, you do what the coach says. And so again, my three-point stance, and he says, "You know, on hike," and he hit it, and it was like effortless. We're just moving this thing down the field. Why? Because there was six of us, not one of us, and so there's just this power as a group, and that's the church. So again, please. As an individual, God can use you in wonderful, wonderful ways, but in the body coming together, it's even stronger. Point number two, Hebrews 10, encouragement within the gospel community. Encouragement within the gospel community. Being a teenager is hard. Being a Christian is harder. I hope you guys have felt that from me over the years, that 
I can remember how hard being a teenager was. I hope you have felt as you have met with me over the years for breakfast or coffee or just here as I preach and teach that you know that I can remember how it felt to be an outsider at times, to not feel comfortable in my own skin, to not know the part I played in this world, to not know if I was a Christian. Not being a, a teenager is hard, but so I hope you felt that for me, but being a Christian is even harder. So being a teenager who's a Christian, well, that's just an intense season of struggle, And being in gospel community will be a blessing to your soul. Hebrews 10, 24, 25. Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. The blessing of being in community team is that your thoughts are not the only ones you hear. And whether you're 97 or 12, you just listening to your own thoughts is not the best place to be. I think as teens, your voice in your head can be very loud. And so it's very easy, like a snowball, to start saying, you know, this is who I am, and this is who God is, and this is who my parents are, and this is what this life is, and it just starts to snowball sometimes in a negative way. And you know what you need in those moments? You know what I need in those moments? Someone to say, Ben, you might be wrong. I need someone to say, Ben, that's not who God is. Look, look at the Word. Look at what the Word says about God. Look at what the Word says about you, Ben. You are known to God as His child. He loves you. He is for you, not against you. He has died for all your sins. And He is protecting you. Those are the reminders that I need. And what we see in Hebrews 10 is that that's what gospel community does. If you really are in it. And that's the difference between kind of showing up and being in it, right? To, to put myself around people and to be honest with them. And to say, I'm struggling. To say, I need your help. I, I know that's a scary place to be. I know that takes a step of faith. But look at how we're all called to be around you. We are called to consider to consider how to stir one another up. I, I love that phrase. Teen, please look at that phrase. Parents, let's look at that phrase. And let us consider how to stir one another up. It's not saying it just happens. It doesn't it doesn't say just get in gospel community and just boom! Encouragement. It's saying we must be intentional. Parent, teen, let us consider how to stir one another up. May I ask you to be intentional in doing this towards your parents? Parents, when is the last time you considered how to stir your teen up in the Lord? My temptation as a, as a dad is not first to think about the grace in my kid's life. 
I feel such a responsibility for them, but I'm I'm constantly thinking about okay, where where does this one need to grow? Where do I need to help this one? Where do I need to pray for this one? Where are they weak? Okay, where is this one weak? Where is this one weak? And and not in a mean way. I don't mean that. I'm like my kids are the worst. I just feel a responsibility for them. And the problem is, I stay there. I stay in the how do how do I help them? How do I help them? And sometimes others point out God's grace in my kid's life more quickly than I do. And so, parent, when is the last time you said to your teen, you know what I love about you? Do you know where I see God's grace in your life? Teen, parent, even if it's something small, think about how God has been towards us. The smallest thing, and God just encourages us and pours out his love on us, and, and I pray we would be the same. And teens, one to another, when is the last time you considered, how do I stir up my friend? For Jesus. I know there are many here that do that because I've talked to you. I've talked with teens who say, I want to get with that person and I'm trying to figure out how do I help them to grow? How do I help, how do I encourage them to grow in their faith? I love my friend. I'm for my friend. How do I help them? I know that's many of your hearts, but we must be intentional to stir one another up. And as it says there, don't stop meeting together as is the habit of some. There are people who slowly, sadly start to walk away from the church. And I don't mean in one gospel preaching church and they move to another because God has called them away. I mean a slow drift into themselves or a slow drift into the world. I don't want to look at that even as a pastor and think, well, that could never be me. Yeah, it could. It could be any of us apart from God's grace. That's why it's in the Bible. If there was nobody that it would affect, he wouldn't have it there. Now, dads, how are we doing this? Moms, how are we doing this as an example? Not just to show up, but to be knitted in the gospel community. Let us not stop meeting together. And I love how it says in the last part there, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Encouragement should grow as the years go on, not shrink. I want the people in my life to hear encouragement from me, to feel encouragement from me more now than when they first met me. You know, I've known Mr. Valentine for a long time now, and I, I pray, it is my heart, that he would know that I see Christ in him now more than ever. He's going to be talking a little bit about this tomorrow. Just He's helping us lead the 10 and 11-year-old class. And there's a bunch of guys back there, you know, week to week. But th- this has been Mr. Valentine's initiative, and I love watching his fire and his burden for those kids because it's, it's, it's a gospel burden. Me and me and Joshua get to go to Maryland tomorrow. I'm preaching down in a church in Maryland, and we get to drive down together. and And I I want to be intentional now. You know, even last couple days, just thinking about how is that a time of building one another up. It's not just. I mean, I'm sure we'll have a lot lot of laughter tomorrow. Lord willing, Uh, get there safely, enjoy the day. You you guys know my love for food, so hopefully, a good lunch. Right? These are all things I'm considering and going down. But I want it to be more than just ah, we had a lot of laughs. I want 
my friend to know I see God's grace in his life. I want him to be built up when he's getting out of the car tomorrow afternoon. Do we have that? Do I have that? I mean, I'm sharing that with you, but do I live there? Am I constantly doing that? Are you constantly doing that? If you have a friend over, this is not kind of hyper-spiritual. This is not for adults. If you are a Christian and you're having a friend over, God wants you to have a Hebrews 10 category in your mind. Doesn't doesn't mean like the whole conversation, the whole time has to be about the Lord and and heaven forbid you play a video game or watch a movie or talk about something else. No, enjoy those things. But is there moments when I'm thinking, how do I help my friend? And and guys, it can be as simple as can I be praying for you? Is there any ways I can be praying for you? How simple of a question that is. And even if the person says, I don't think so, you you showed that you cared enough to, to cross that bridge. You cared enough to say, I want to care about you. Three, three walking through trials within gospel community. Walking through trials within gospel community. This is one verse, it's a few words. And yet it will be life-changing for you if you enjoy the blessing of this. Galatians 6.2 Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. I love these just those two passages. You have Hebrews 10, encourage one another, build each other up, and then you have Galatians 6. There are hard things in this life. There are challenges in this life. There are trials in this life. And may we come alongside people in their suffering and carry their burdens. And when it's you, don't wear the mask. We don't want you to wear the mask in Christ's community. We want you to say, this is where I'm struggling. No one has ever shared to me, this is where they're struggling. And I said, that was weird. Why did you share? I'm sure that I can relate in some way. And I find it a privilege to bear your burden. This isn't pastors bear people's burdens. It's the church. Bear one another's burdens. So do you know your friends even well enough to know how to pray for them this evening? Do you know your friends well enough that you could say, yeah, I am carrying, I'm carrying my brother's burden. I'm carrying my sister's burden. She's talked about this. We've prayed about this. Little text messages here and there. So love you and for you. Here's a, a passage of God's word that I was reminded of. It's the blessing of membership. You know, I've been around long enough to watch multiple people go through trials. And when you have knitted yourself into the community, and I don't mean like every single person knows you exhaustively, but you know what I mean. You, you're a part of this group. People know you and you know them. And I, and I do believe membership is a biblical, biblical category. It's a planting the flag in the ground and saying, I'm a Christian, 
of this local church. Yes, I'm in the universal church. Yes, we are all members of the universal church. But for however long the Lord will have me, I'm under these pastors, and I'm in this this specific gospel community. And what I mean by that, teens, and saying, I've been around long enough. When people do that, not that trials then aren't easy, not, not that... Not that everything just goes their way and there's no problems, but when I see people built in like that, they have created the structure for people to carry their burdens. There's people that know them, that speak into their life. There's pastors that are able to move forward and and move into their life and encourage them. And just going to be honest with you, I've also seen people just hang on the peripheral. And they're, yeah, yeah, I, I remember that person. Yeah, that person was here for a while, but they never really built in. And when the trials came, it was as easy to leave as it was easy to come. To, to bear one another's burdens mean I'm getting into your life. I'm going to roll my hands up, and I'm okay if it's going to get messy. Because trials are messy, and sin is messy. And when I do that, and you do that, I know there's going to be trials in my life. There has been trials. There will be trials. And by God's grace, because the Ross family is built in to gospel community, we receive care in our trials. And if I start backing away from Jesus, forget pastor, forget that stuff. As a Christian, if Ben Ross starts going back, 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 what's going to happen? What's going to happen? If I start walking away from the Lord when I'm building a community, tell me what's going to happen. What's going to happen? What are people going to do? What you, they're going to come after me. I have no doubt that many of the men in this room, probably starting with Keith, would come after me and say, Ben, what's going on? How can I be praying for you? How can I be carrying your burdens? And so my point here is, this is massively, massively practical. Team, don't wait for your parents. I want you to submit to their authority and respect them, but don't think they're responsible for you being in gospel community. If you're a Christian, God's calling you. Are you building in? Are you connecting? And as the years go on, and, and you become an adult, and you become a husband or a wife or a, a parent, do you go into those years with this conviction? Not a, you know, you kind of stumble into those years, I wonder what I should do. You know, I've thought about this now. I want to be all in. And I'm not saying that God's going to call you to be in Christ's community the rest of your life. Some of you, by God's will, are going to be called to move on, but, but is it a category as you move? That's not just college. It's If there's not a gospel-centered church around there, I don't want to go to that college. Or a job. You know, it's a, oh man, this job, it's, it's, it's six figures. It's, it's everything I've ever wanted. It's the, it's the title I've wanted. If there's no gospel-centered church, is it really that valuable? Six figures, maybe, but what for your soul? 
And then finally, forgiving one another in gospel community. Forgiving one another within gospel community. Colossians 3.13. So our final point, forgiving one another within gospel community. It says, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you. I love, love, love how every call in Scripture for us to forgive others is always rooted in the gospel. It's always, I can forgive you as I have already been forgiven. And it says there in the end, so you also must forgive. This might sound backwards. But you, in one sense, should be encouraged when someone needs to forgive you or when you need to forgive someone in gospel community. That might sound weird. Yay for sin! I don't mean yay for sin. What I mean is that when you are living within the community close enough for people to sin against you and for you to sin against others and you have to ask for forgiveness or receive forgiveness, I think that's actually a really good place. Because I'm sure this is a worldwide sinful thing, but Americans can be cynical. And what cynical means is that I start kind of just, everyone else is the problem. You know, if they would just be like me, everything would be fine, but they're not. And so, you know what, There's, I don't have time for them. I don't have time for this gospel community, Ben. They're just going to sin against me. And so we start to get cynical and the walls start coming up. And again, that's why I'm saying it's not just showing up. People could show up with a mask on and the walls up, right? It's it's a it's a interacting with people, yes, with the walls down and the mask off. And I, I just I, I say this graciously. I'm just but I am just confused. Like people sin against each other in the church. And I, I don't mean anyone specific right now, I don't mean Christ community. I'm just saying People sin against each other, and then they're like, they're shocked. You're not going to believe this. This Christian sinned against me. Have you been listening to like all the messages that we're giving around here? We're a mess. We need Jesus. It was so bad, God had to die. God had to die on the cross for sinners. That's how bad it was. And so I'm not saying that you should be unaffected by sin. That's not what I'm saying. Sin hurts. And when we forgive, we have to give of ourselves. So sin hurts. But surprise when people sin against me? I don't think that should be a category. When people sin against me, I think, yeah, that's people, and that's me. I sin against people. I I have to apologize to CB and John all the time. The people you are around the most, you sin against the most, right? You probably sin against your parents and your siblings the most. Because they're around you so much of the time. And so with CB and John, I just have to go back again and again. Oh, I'm so sorry for you know, my tone there or my comment or, you know, I just wasn't considering you guys or whatever it is. I just, and we all know that. It's just, yep, that's why God came. <clears throat> and so I just, I just want to put that before you. When you are in gospel community and people sin against you, I'm not saying to brush it off, get, get past it. I don't mean that. I just mean, do you recognize that God understands that and says, hey, forgive each other? 
forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. You know, me and Mr. Ed are eight years together. That's a lot of sin. That's a lot of asking for forgiveness. And we are closer now than ever because of that. When when you sadly sin against someone and you go to them and say, I'm so sorry, will you forgive me? And you, sometimes you have to talk it out, right? And here's what I was thinking and here's what I did. And, you know, I think some of my motive was right. I think some of it was wrong. You know, like it is hours of conversation with your closest friends. And afterwards, there's just this, I love you. I'm grateful for you. I'm glad you're in my life. I, I pray those are your friendships as well. I mean, the, those, I don't know if it's a real friendship, but there aren't conversations like that, right? Where you just have to work through things and have to just, it's not just always happy, happy, and, you know, never really getting into that type of deep stuff. And I think it's through the deep stuff that God builds something beautiful. So may we not be surprised, and may we always remember the gospel. And in light of how much God has forgiven us, it is our joy to forgive others. So, Devin hit the bullseye when he said, let's not just be hearers of the word, but doers. I mean, this is a massively practical message. Um, may we remember that the church is a gift to us. The gospel, gospel community is not something you have to do. It is something that we get to participate in. It is, in heaven, we are going to look at each other and say, I am so glad you were in my life. And I think about that for many of you teens. Many of you teens. You know, I said about Andrew. I can't imagine Andrew not in my life. Many of you know the story, but Christ, come to Christ community. I was a youth pastor in my old church. It wasn't a youth group here. I asked CB, what did he want? But I really assumed the answer he was going to say. I want you to start the youth group. And he said, we need people to set up chairs on Sunday mornings. Okay? And there's this five-year-old setting up the chairs. Why don't you join him? So me and Andrew. Do you remember this, Andrew? Yeah, me and Andrew. Five-year-old Andrew and 22-year-old Ben just setting chairs together. I, I remember those conversations. We were talking about Star Wars back then. We are talking about Star Wars now, right? We just <laughs> we're talking about Jesus as well. You know, I think about Joshua Koo. I think about Christopher Koo. I think about Nathaniel. Think about Tim. Many of you guys. Think about Benjamin. We've had many breakfasts together, haven't we? I thank my God for you. You are not a bother. You are not something to check off my list. You are helping me by God's grace. You are a means of God's grace to get me to heaven. That's the gospel community. And so what does it look like for you to build in None of us are doing this perfectly. I am not doing this perfectly. I am constantly saying, what does this look like for my family? What does it look like for me? And so when you break into your groups, if you came with your parent, or if you came with a parent, you can join them. If you didn't come with anybody and you need a group, come see me and we'll hook you up. Uh, I just want you to talk about this. So three questions. What what in God's word has encouraged you? What... Um, you know, where do you feel tempted to not be in gospel community? And, and what does it look like to apply God's word? And then just, let's just end by praying in your groups. Praying that God would give us a greater...